0: It's The Ringer NFL Show. I'm Kevin Clark. I'm here with my friend Robert Mays. Good news, NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded NFL Sunday Ticket this season. If you live in an apartment or an enrolled college student, you can now get NFL Sunday Ticket without a satellite. Robert, that's big news because there's a lot of ugly football early in this season. There's a lot
1: of ugly football. I am one of those people who cannot get a satellite, so I'm very pleased this is an option, and I'm taking advantage of it. And If I happened to be a Bengals fan and didn't want to watch my team ever,
0: I wouldn't have to. Didn't have much of a choice last night.
1: That's a good point. I mean, when it's the only game, we
0: can't escape it any other way. But if it's not the only game and it's Sunday, this is how you do it. To see if you're eligible, go online to NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. We're also brought to you by MyBookie.ag. People are always asking us who to bet on, and the answer is whoever is playing Andy Dalton. But where you bet is just as important as what you bet. And that's why we recommend
1: MyBookie.ag. They have live in-game betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and a mobile site that makes
0: wagering super easy. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 100% bonus. That's a 100% bonus for betting whoever Andy Dalton is playing every week.
1: Visit MyBookie.ag and use the promo code RINGERNFL to activate the offer. Play, you win, you get paid.
0: Welcome to the ringer NFL show part of the ringer podcast network. I'm Kevin Clark I'm joined by Robert Mays Robert. We waited eight months We got football. We got Andy Dalton Deshaun Watson. Are you regretting your decision to become a football observer?
1: Sort of yeah, that was about as ugly as it could possibly be and I figured that would happen I actually tweeted during the day It wasn't the hottest take but it was setting up to be terrible you had two really bad offensive lines, maybe the two worst from week one. The Texans had a lot of competition, a
0: lot of competition
1: for that. That's true. Yeah, it's a a heated debate, but they're right in the conversation. The Texans had no tight ends. The first play of the game was hilarious. They came out with seven offensive linemen, none of whom was very good. I mean, it's the entire situation
0: was bound to produce
1: some awfulness. And it did
0: beautiful symmetry that the Texans had seven offensive linemen and the game ended with Andy Dalton throwing a pass to his center.
1: Oh God. The lateral.
0: It was it amazing. Was brutal. What a I game.
1: Mean, even by Thursday night standards, it was brutal. Uh, it's the general talked a lot issue. About all week.
0: The general issue is that, you know, people were talking about this this morning. Um, some of the NFL writers, and we, we've talked about this before that, basically because the lack of practice time September is always going to be ugly and parts of October are always going to be ugly for the good teams we saw the Packers and the Seahawks last week and it looked pretty disjointed so for the bad teams oh buddy
1: I hope it gets better I assume it will it's just man I don't know where either of these teams are going this year I I actually have a pretty good idea the Texans look really bad and the Bengals look even worse and I didn't assume either of these teams would be a playoff team. I thought they would look a tiny bit more competent than this, and I was just dead you wrong. Know, I think a
0: lot of people did think the Texans had a chance just because they made the playoffs last year with, with sure. Brock Osweiler and they had that defense, but I just think that it's they're too far gone.
1: Yeah, they all were right. on the outside for me as I did my whatever rankings, but it's still worse than I even thought it would, was uh, going to be.
0: Okay, so as always, we'll be here every Friday to get you set for this weekend. full of games. I mean, some, some real good games. We'll get to those in a second. And we'll be back on Tuesdays all season long to break down the week that was looking back. We'll have our colleague Danny Kelly joining us later. We're going to geek out on some things. And our in-house general manager, Mike Lombardi, is going to be yeah. here as well. But for now, let's get things going with our favorite four. That's our, our favorite four matchups of the weekend. Robert, go ahead. Hit me with your matchup of the week. I mean, rematch of the NFC Championship game from last year in Atlanta, where it was, but we're going to be in a new building.
1: This one's fun. I just the think. the closed Chick fil A. For the closed Chick fil A. People are going to just be walking by it and savoring it so much. They're going to be like, yes, it, I know what Chick fil A tastes like. I'm so sad that I can't have it. That's how I was this morning when I didn't have time to go get it. Um, I think that this is going to be a fun one. I mean, two offenses that we assume be pretty good. Uh, Green Bay played Seattle last week. We talked about this didn't look as good as they will the rest of the year. I mean, no. there's a chance that Seattle has the best defense in football. So I don't think the version of the Packers we saw last Sunday is the one we're going to see going forward. I like the Falcons defense. I still don't think they're going to be able to slow down Green Bay fully. You know, I think the Packers are going to look pretty good. And this is a good test for Atlanta's offense yeah. again. I mean, I talked about this in what I wrote on Monday. They went in three and out six times against the Bears after going three and out 24 times last season. They're stop and go right now. And I feel like Green Bay's defense, even though they're playing a team that barely has an offensive line, still look pretty good. And I think this is going to be a really good test. If Atlanta struggles again,
0: then I think we find out a lot about each side of the ball in that that situation, in that case. I totally agree with you. I, I didn't like what I saw from the Falcons last week. And this will be a great test. Bears defense is better than you give credit for, though, man. Mike Daniels, it's not... Robert, let's clarify something. It's not that I don't give them enough credit in Chicago. It's that I don't care about the Bears. That's fair. That's what totally fair. I don't fair. want anything to do. I don't <laughs> want a good observation on the Bears, because any time spent on the Bears is, is making my life worse. Hey,
1: I get you. I, trust me, it, it's made my life worse for about a decade. Or so. <laughs> so,
0: so, I mean, I, I just generally think it, it's very interesting to me. Mike Daniels against that interior offensive line. I, I You know, we've talked all offseason about how everyone is sort of sleeping in a weird way on the Falcons and that, that no one no one cares that they they probably should have won the Super Bowl last year. Everyone moved on people, you know, Carolina is a trendier pick. This would be a massive, you know, it's a cliche, but it would be a massive statement game to go out there and, and, and win, you know, have a classic kind of 2016 Falcons performance, put up 35 points. I'm I, I am. I as intrigued there's, there's an intriguing more intriguing matchup for me that's coming next but th- this is if this were any other week this would be my favorite matchup of the week is I cannot wait to see what these teams are gonna look like in 2016 because again we have no idea after week one I mean there's nothing there are no conclusions really you can draw from last week w- with Seattle and Green Bay it's exactly what we talked about the, both of those teams are going to start slow you know they'll probably be three and two um you know next month and then th- they'll they'll both finish 12 and four or whatever but I mean Atlanta versus Green Bay it's 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 as good as it gets And we're two weeks
1: into the season It gives us an early chance to see what's different about these teams from where they were last January. I think that's interesting. So Wes Schweitzer is the guy that struggled for Atlanta last week. The Falcons will be well-to-do to to get him away from Mike Daniels whenever they can, just by formation. Because every time Mike Daniels gets to go against him, it's going to be really ugly. The other thing I thought was interesting, we talked a lot about Kevin King and what the Packers are going to do in the secondary. Kentrell Bryce got the third most snaps for them last week.
0: They cut Ladarius Gunter, who at one point was a contributor for them. So we talked about this a little bit, just coming into the season,
1: previewing the Packers. But what they like to do in the secondary is just throw bodies at the problem. It doesn't matter who they are, as long as they can have a lot of guys. And they use their third safety as their... Sixth defensive or fifth defensive back last week, yep. which I thought was interesting. So is that going to be something they keep doing? Is that going to work for them? Just stuff to keep in mind.
0: Yeah. All right. My next my my game of the week, the, the game I hinted at a second ago, New England at New Orleans. Yeah. I was at the game. I, I, I was covering the game the last time in 2013 that these guys had an absolutely classic matchup, and that was the the game. If you don't remember, that produced the amazing Rob Ryan exasperation gift. You know what I'm talking was about? Was that the Ken the Kentrell? Yeah, the Kemba Tompkins throw. Yeah, Kemba Tompkins throw. That was in
1: my top 10 Brady throws, and I think I wrote last year's. seconds year left
0: in the game. Yeah. Brady beats New Orleans. There's a couple of things. Now, first of all, just from a historical perspective, Tom Brady against Drew Brees, I don't see a scenario in which they play again. So enjoy it while it lasts. Enjoy two completely horseshit defenses that are going to allow both of these <laughs> quarterbacks to have just a throwback game. Like, I want this game to be 45 to 44.
1: That's in play, man. It's the, in play. On the turf, I absolutely think we can see that. I, I cannot
0: wait for this. Okay, What's so over
1: under on this? Keep talking. I'm going to
0: <laughs> um, You can look it up. Okay, aside from that, aside from just the aesthetic beauty of what we're going to see on Sunday, I'm intrigued because we're about to find out who the Patriots are. I mean, th- yeah. there's two ways to look at it, okay? If they go 0-2, is their season over? No, because we've seen this before. We we've seen this a million times. And 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 the Patriots are gonna recover and they're gonna win the AFC East. I, I don't see they're a final as I call them, they're a final destination team, right? It, it's 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 no matter what happens, they're gonna go win at least 10 games and and win the division. I don't see anybody else. Maybe the Dolphins get in that range, but I think playing 16 straight weeks is weird. I I, I just don't I don't know what to expect from the Dolphins. We'll see you on Sunday. Having said that, the Patriots, I mean, if they give up like 50 to Drew Brees, that's when you start to panic about the defense a little bit, man. I, I just don't know. Stephon Gilmore and Malcolm Butler are supposed to be the shutdown corner team. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that. Now they're going against an offense that, I mean, first of all, did you see what Adrian Peterson's doing? It was always going to be a disaster. I have no idea why anybody is surprised about this.
1: You're bringing in a Hall of Fame, a generational talent at the back end of his career on a team with a glut at that position. It, with a coach that is not necessarily the most forgiving or understanding. Man so in the it, world. It,
0: if you don't know, Adrian Peterson said on Friday, I didn't sign up for nine snaps.
1: And then he kind of backtracked a little bit. He's like, "Yeah, game situation dictated it, but it, it's not going to go well. It's going to go horribly. And you know why? Because Adrian Peterson is the worst running back on the Saints.
0: Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. There's a reason that a lot of smart teams, including the Patriots, kicked the tires in Adrian Pearson and passed on him. And so I just so my, my my confusion comes with the Saints with you're already confusing everybody and pissing off Mark Ingram with your weird usage of Mark Ingram. Then you draft yeah, Alvin Kamara
1: rewarded for his excellent season last year by having his team sign Adrian Peterson and draft Alvin Kamara, which is OK, because no, Kamara I love is Kamara. Be the secondary option. No, but if they, they then you sign Peterson, Peterson. for the, even those nine snaps is insane. It's like Mark Ingram is better. You already have two running backs. You don't need this many. It's a redundancy. I, I the whole thing makes no sense. And it's not exactly like the freaking Saints are flush with salary cap space. It was always dumb. And it, it's, it's even dumber
0: now. Uh yeah. By the way, speaking of New England, Jacoby Brissett is starting on Sunday. Jesus. For the Indianapolis Colts. (laughs)
1: Uh the over-under is fifty-six, by the way, which seems about right and maybe not high enough. Over. Pound the over on our sponsor, my bookie. So I like, I mean, I think New England's gonna be able to move the ball on the Saints. Anybody really can. I feel like Minnesota still looked good last week, even against that mirror, but the Saints defense is still bad. The two things I'm worried about for New England's defense among just period. One Doesn't look like Hightower is going to play. Nope. So the same way that Kareem Hunt and whoever else lit those guys up last week, what are they going to do against Kamara? Yep. I mean, if if Alvin Kamara is one thing, it's shifty, and now they have to deal with that. And I don't know if Kyle Van Noy and David Harris are going to be up to that. Two, the one problem—I mean, the biggest problem. Wait, I'm sorry. I
0: just want to clarify. David Harris is not up for it. No. Okay. Just thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Just want to hear for me. yeah, Yeah,
0: I've been watching the tape. The other thing. The one
1: problem that the Saints offense is really going to have right now is the fact that Streif and Armstead are hurt. So you have a left, rookie left tackle who acquitted himself fine against Minnesota, and then you have a backup guard now as your right tackle. You know what, who can't take advantage of that? The Patriots. <laughs> Cassius Marsh and whoever else is rushing the, the edge for them. Those aren't the guys that are going to hurt you in that situation. So, again, we're just looking at a
0: dozen factors here that are going to lead to the scoreboard exploding. Yeah, I mean, I just, I think this has the potential, like a, a game of the year potential.
1: Yeah, I, which I hope it is. I mean, after all the bullshit we've had to endure the last week. I also think I that I, but, but I
0: also think that in 2017, there is another option, which is the game of the year was last night's Bengals Texans game. <laughs> that that was as good as it gets.
1: Uh, I'm just walking into a lake if that's the case. <laughs> it's over for me. <laughs> all right. What's your next game? Uh, I love Minnesota Pittsburgh. I just feel like this is a really, I mean, not, not the opposite of what we just talked about, but a good offense-defense matchup. And the, with the way Minnesota's offense looked in week one, and again, I know against the Saints, but even on the other side of the ball, it's kind of intriguing to me because Pittsburgh's defense looked okay. So I think it's just going
0: to be a fun one. I think these are two really good teams going at it. This is another situation where I don't know what, you know, you go against Cleveland in week one, I don't know what the Steelers are.
1: I still have faith in the Steelers. I mean, no, I, I, I know. Do. I'm just
0: saying, I don't know what the 2017 Steelers look like because I just didn't. There's a couple teams. I just don't know what they look like. The Packers are one of them because it was such a weird disjointed game against Seattle against the best defense in the league. Obviously, who have Tampa Bay and, and Miami, who you literally haven't seen. I think both of those teams are intriguing to me. I think, you know, I before the season, I picked Tampa Bay to go deep in the playoffs. They haven't Jay played game still yet. the quarterback for the Dolphins, right? Yeah, they're going to get to eight wins. It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah it's going to be awesome. At Pittsburgh is another one, just because you know Cleveland is, is just a wash to me. Minnesota, you go I mean you go against go against New Orleans defense, and they get to go against NFL defense this week, so that's intriguing as far as matchups go.
1: I, I, I know, and we talked about this and every, but I still think Minnesota looked good, even if it was yeah New of course they did. Just, I mean, Bradford just is putting the ball on the money. I thought Diggs looked excellent. I mean, just contested catches. I mean, that's the thing that was impressive to me. Even with guys on them, they were making stuff happen. I thought Dalvin Cook was impressive. Yep. I, I still think I know, I know it's tough against the Saints. I know that. But I still feel like Minnesota's offense might be OK if that line stays healthy. We talked about that going into the season. And no one's excited about Riley Reef and Mike Remmers, but they're real NFL players. And that's an upgrade. I wrote about that this I'm week. I'm excited about Mike Remmers. <laughs> I know you are, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a line this... geek. I wrote about this with Bradford and, and how he was going deep. I mean, he threw nine balls 20 yards down the field last year after doing about 38 of them or so for the entire season yeah. in 2016. I mean, and that's a product of him having time to do it and Diggs being healthy and them being at full strength. I just, there, I want to see it. And I want to see it against a Pittsburgh defense that, I know it was Cleveland, but they really beat up Cleveland's offensive line. I know Kaiser's prone to holding it which is going to help, like, that's gonna just going to escalate pressure. But I still feel like that matchup is worth watching to me. Can Minnesota's offensive line hold up against a better defensive front? Two, it might not play. So there's a lot of factors here I'm looking forward to. I, I think both of these teams are good, and I like just them sizing each other up here. Are you all in on TJ Watt? I just think he's a really talented player. I mean, we knew coming in he was an athletic marvel, and he showed that. The guy, the, the numbers last week were a little bit
0: misleading. His sacks came deep in the down. That interception it, it, was just a Kaiser. I mean, that was, a, he was the intended receiver on that one, <laughs> but he still had to go up for it. I mean, that's still a level up. No, 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 no. I get know. That ball. But, I mean, but that was
1: whew. the guy is going to be. I mean, here's the thing about JJ wasn't very good as a rookie. I mean, he was fine, but it was a lot of effort plays. You don't really know how to play that position early. I think that the Von Miller Alden Smith crew just misled us. I mean, think about how many sacks Khalil Mack had as a, as a rookie. It's like five. Yep. You know, he was a very good player. Look at Vic Beasley
0: with 4.5 to 15 in one it, year. It, it's
1: the, the gap there is very small. And I think that wide looking as good as he did in week one is encouraging. It's, I think his upside is incredibly high, but he wasn't as good as the number show, but I still think he's going to be an impactful guy for them all season. The one guy I was impressed with the most on that defense. He only played two plays was the font Yep. He blew into the backfield and made Kaja throw it away on the first down and then had a tackle for loss three yards deep in the backfield on the second down and almost tore his biceps on that play and didn't get it back in the game. I just think all all the way around with Javon Hargrave,
0: that defense in the front seven is stacked. Yeah, and I think they have a chance to be really fun. There's a reason that when we did the leap show over the summer, we talked about positional units, and, and I predicted that the Steelers' pass rush was going to take a huge leap forward. I love Hargrave. I love TJ Watt. The Tuit thing—I mean, if if this is if Tuit is is out for a long time, and I, I don't think it's as serious. He might play on Sunday. Yeah, I, initially people thought it was a, a super serious under, injury, which yeah, is yeah, huge. Yeah, I, I, based
1: on how good he looked, he got that extension.
0: People were like, "Eh, why?" And then he
1: comes out. A day after signing it, and blows right. up the first two right. plays.
0: So you have two and out there. Bud Dupree is still banged up. I mean, I, I'm I'm getting sad for Bud Dupree because I thought he was I thought he was a Vic Beasley esque talent. At one, he's point.
1: never had a chance to really settle yep. into the position yep. because he's never played for an extended time. We talk about it, it's more nuanced than people think, and if you don't have
0: experience, it's tough to just get dropped in and play well. Well, also, I just think you get a you lot. Know, I was talking to Dan Quinn about this when we we're talking about just player development. You know, if you don't make that leap from year one to year two and if you don't have the opportunity, if you're banged up, the leap that Beasley made, the, the leap that Watt made. If you don't do the year one to year two leap, it gets real hard because after the second year, those gains become very, very, very small. And so it's, it's it, you know, I, I I think that he he still has talent, but at some point you got you to get on the field and, and and show me it's
1: something. also I, I, an interesting conversation with a quarterbacks coach about a guy who bounced back after a bad rookie season and i'm writing about it for next week just the idea of sustained lack of confidence yeah. and how how problematic it is and if you can't get out of that rut after half a bad season a full bad season and it takes a year two years two and a half years that's when you really just start to get broken emotionally and mentally and just not be able to get over certain humps. And I think that we've seen that all the time and it's problematic
0: for guys that just can't stay on the field when they're young. Speaking of great quarterbacks, here comes (laughs) Trevor Simeon. It's my, Uh, it's my second matchup of the week. This is a fun one. I mean, it has a chance to be Dallas at Denver. So I think we know who Dallas is. I think we found out. And I, I think that as long as Ezekiel Elliott, Stays on the field and plays sixteen games. We're looking at them as as the runaway NFC East favorite. It, I, it was kind I, of
1: incredible how much, to the degree, we knew what Dallas was. Like they were just exactly paint by numbers. The well, team it's we actually really interesting to
0: me because you know, okay, the, uh, the offensive line is actually. You know, it, it is solid. They're there. We, they, they are what we thought. Collins looks really good. Yeah. I mean, I,
1: he was always talented. It was a matter of continuity to me, and I, I, they looked really good. And I we, mean, they know, have a chance to be better
0: than they were last year. I'll yeah. Admit that. And so, football is an extremely simple game, and I think that as long as you can win, <laughs> <Is that> true. <laughs> it is true. I mean, like, and as long as you have the offensive Why are there line, so many bad teams. Then <laughs> no, I mean, because there's no good offensive linemen, <laughs> and fair. there's no good quarterbacks, yeah. and yeah. there's no good, there's barely any good running backs. And by the way, Dallas has three all. Three of those things. Yeah, that's a good point. I you guess only the, uh, need the Broncos like five things to win. Well, I mean, they don't have a quarter. The Denver has Trevor Simeon playing quarterback. And after
1: last week, that looks just
0: fine. Just fine.
1: Is that the word? The, Is that the phrase? If the Broncos can play like they did on Monday night, I will be more than willing to sit down with a fully cooked meal of crow. Um, uh, that's fine with me because I I picked them to make the playoffs. I did not. I thought they would be bad. He picked San Diego. Uh, and, I I like San Diego and I looking at what Denver's offense did mostly up front to not let Bosa and Ingram ruin that game where they would have a year ago. And then Simeon kind of stepping in and playing well the way that he did. If that offense can be to that level, I think the defense is still good enough to take them somewhere. But I just had no faith in what the offense can be. And I'm more than willing to admit that I'm wrong. It's hard coming into the season to project a leap like that when you see so many moving parts in the coaching staff, everything else. He was seventh round pick beating out a guy you traded up for. But if it falls into place, then their defense is definitely still good enough to make them relevant.
0: It's interesting to me because with Denver, I, the reason I picked them is the same reason I picked the Giants, which is they have a lot of talent on defense. I, I believe in defensive talent. I know we talk a little bit about defensive regression, re- regression and uh, and DVOA and all that, and and, and I. I just sort of believe if you have a couple of good pass rushers and you have a good secondary, that you're going to win some games. And I think in the AFC this year the, the bottom half of the conference is so weird. I think Denver's just going to be able to squeak out nine or ten wins just based on on their defense, and and then that's that's all you need. And so that that was the reason I picked them, and I I'm standing by. And also I I feel like I know so much about the Broncos because I watched a game in which Rex Ryan broadcast. <laughs> he seemed really into it, right? He seemed like he was having such a great time. What was that?
1: I have no idea. I, it's <laughs> he could not have been less interested in being there. Well, he the, just
0: seem so nervous.
1: And but what we talked about, I know. Which I I guess I would be too. I mean, I can't blame the guy. But I mean, his ever? ever been who nervous cares? in front of a but camera. also,
0: like, who cares? It, like, you're gonna be here for one year, and then you're gonna be defensive coordinator for the Colts next year when whoever the hell their head coach is. God, that would be a slap in the. the our him and Chuck got like, are like really good friends. Uh, I, I our, Why would they be? They coached on the same staff for like a long time, didn't they? Oh, in, in Baltimore? Baltimore, yeah. yeah. Um, so Everybody's they, friends with everybody else in the NFL, and, and yet they, they continue to take each other's jobs. We, But we're talking about regression with the Broncos. It, to me, it wasn't as if this
1: defense is going to be bad. My concern was you go from the best defense in the league to, say, the fourth or fifth best, and they didn't exactly destroy San Diego. Or, God damn it. the chargers they didn't destroy the chargers say it and and they destroy los angeles
0: mayor basically was like yeah we didn't really care about the chargers
1: yeah i don't apparently i don't either because they're still san diego to me so they didn't the the chargers were fine offensively i mean they were stop and go the running game wasn't very good but rivers was fine and i think even if they're the fourth best defense in the league i thought the offense would be so bad that that was a, a recipe to not make a playoff team but the offense looked fine the offense looked pretty good so if they can be league average and you have the fifth best defense, that's a potential playoff team. And I just didn't see that that combination of ingredients. I just didn't predict that. And I'm, again, more than willing to admit that I was wrong if this keeps going. Rex Ryan and Chuck Pagano overlapped for one year. OK, I, I, well, I thought it was longer than that. I, everyone has coached on the Ravens defensive staff at some point. So it's hard to actually pick,
0: you know, pinpoint who was there when. It's like one of those uh, super groups, like Broken Social Scene or something. That's so like, true, though. Every single every, head coach has stint through. on the bra- on the Ravens defensive staff. Yeah, and they also they're all all the good coaches are former defensive backs coaches. Something no one ever talks about. Belichick, Carroll, John Harbaugh. Though, well, I think a
1: lot of the play callers have uh, were former wide receivers, which yeah. is interesting to me. Yep.
0: McVay, Shanahan, and McDaniel's
1: never played quarterback, which I think is really interesting. I don't know. I, I was was thinking about that I last year. Guess, you know, was doing you, know what he did. you know
0: the big thing that a lot of coaches talk about is all, his special teams coaches should all be head coaches.
1: Yeah, I mean that's because, the, because because the Harbaugh.
0: reason is right. Well, Harbaugh is also defensive backs coach. He was both those things, and and that's why he's he's a good coach. But also the special teams coaches they they have to come up with a new game plan every week because they're dealt they're all, they're, the whole team. they're only given a certain amount of players and they have to adapt to it every week. Whereas an offense, you know, if you're Kyle Shanahan, what were you actually doing last year? I know what he was doing, but I'm just saying you you have your given talent, whereas special teams coaches have to adapt every week.
1: I'm talking to a couple of guys about Dave Tobe and how he doesn't has never gotten a head coaching job and yeah. should just the level of specification and the level of we're going to tweak this this way. He was apparently very very good at it, which again that's what being a head yeah. coach is. So I, a cri- I think that's a really good the point. The way
0: it was put to me was special teams coaches have a crisis every single week.
1: Yep, and it's just so specified because you're doing. An offense and defense more or less is the same thing. You have 11 guys. You can line them up different ways. But think about being a special teams coach. Field goal punt punt yep. return, kickoff return are four completely distinct approaches. And they're, you're doing 11 guys on each of those. It's 44
0: different positions, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. This is why my top head coaching candidate is Packers special teams coach Ron Zook.
1: <laughs> I'm sure every yeah. Illinois fan and every Florida, and Florida fan is thrilled yeah, 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 to hear yeah. you say that.
0: Moving on from our favorite matchups. Every Friday, Robert and I are going to have our own short feature segments. Mine involves informed hot takes. You know, it was funny. Lombardi and Key i did, distinction. Lombardi and I did a video the other day, and, and he kept talking about this. Just the idea of it, it, it is it is a take, but it's not a hot take. It, there, there's a huge difference. As and 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 I go back to the paraphrasing of George Costanza: it's not a hot take if you believe it. So here is the take: I actually believe the Giants without Odell Beckham. If this is a serious injury, if this really is, he's out for another month. And who knows? I mean, Odell Beckham. He said it was a six to eight week injury. It's been about a month, but he also floated it could be twelve weeks. I'm not really sure what's going on. The Giants without Odell Beckham have a chance to be one of the worst teams in the NFL.
1: You're not going to get any disagreement from me because I, mean, I, I didn't think they'd be very good
0: with him. I thought they they could be a playoff team if if he plays 16 games. And I didn't know how injured he was when I picked them to join Dallas in the playoffs in that division.
1: It didn't matter to me.
0: Odell Beckham extended Eli Manning's career in a way we'll never fully appreciate.
1: My concern with them coming into the season was even with Beckham that we were projecting on offense with Ingram, with Marshall, because we were assuming that Eli was still okay. And I have no reason to believe that he's still okay. I just don't think he's a very good quarterback right now or anymore. And even with Beckham, I think their offense was probably going to stagnate way too often the same way it did last year. And again, it's really hard to be that good on defense two years in a row. Whatever talent you have, it's really hard to consistently be that great. And if they take a slight step back and the offense doesn't do anything, even with Beckham, then what are they going to be? They're going to be really mediocre. And I
0: think really mediocre without your best player. You're not far off. It's pretty damn bad. So I bought in on, on the Beckham thing and the Ingram thing. I mean, Marshall clearly, this is a Lombardi thing, just doesn't know what he's doing. Like he doesn't, he was and lining are they, up. Why
1: are they using him that way? Well the, the, chucking the, deep the balls theory, to Marshall the theory, doesn't make the sense. The theory
0: is he doesn't understand the playbook, and so he has no idea what's going on. Well, it's a it's a thick playbook. Have you seen it? This the Cheesecake Menu playbook. Yes, that's right. It's a lot of plays to learn. <laughs> okay, we'll get to that later. Um, so generally, I think that. I bought into Beckham because, we've talked about this before, it is such a, not a watered-down league, but, but so many teams are so flawed. And I don't think there's 12 playoff teams per conference in the traditional sense this year. So I think that there are one-star one units. And we talked about this a couple of days ago. I just believe that players like Odell Beckham, players like David Johnson when he's healthy, those guys can get you to a certain point. The Raiders' defense, Akula Mack, those guys can get you to a certain point and then you just need competence to the other side of the ball in your playoff team. And so I thought that Beckham was one of these guys who could carry an entire unit. Without them, that offense is horrendous. And 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 if he doesn't come back, it's gonna. I mean, I, if he never, if he didn't play a game this year, they would win like four games.
1: Yeah, and I just think that if that's the case, then they were never that good to begin with. I don't. Well, know. Yeah, I, like, I I think he's a but... transcendent superstar. Sure, but it's—I don't think any transcendent
0: superstar is that important that doesn't play quarterback.
1: I uh, They are not that yeah. good to begin with if they're if they win four games without him.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it's a moot point because he'll come back in a month and they'll be they'll be one and three. They'll win six games. And they'll win six games. It'd be great. And I'll get to play it straight down the middle. Well, if he was healthy, it'll be great. Hey, yeah, you're not you're not new at this, man. You've no. done this my, before. This is not my first rodeo. Uh, all right, I've been I've been rodeo too. It's a rodeo. This is <laughs> all. Never mind. Never this mind.
1: is going to spew a thirty rock joke just in, in memoriam of it going off Netflix, but I'll leave it. Do you have any
0: other thirty rock takes? I mean, I have plenty of thirty rock jokes, but we don't have time for that right now. We have to move on. We'd be here for a long time. Well, okay. Well, after this next segment, you might want to. That's hit, fine. I'll circle I'll give back as many as you want. Circle back. All right. Uh, there's so many things to look forward to each weekend, Robert. We're gonna look at some of the biggest matchups and storylines. And we need you to tell us what we're missing. Like, when we look at this weekend, what are we missing?
1: I feel like this one's, again, right in what, we, what you just said. Not in the marquee games, but still just full of interesting tidbits that I will definitely be watching, especially after what we saw in week one. And I feel like the Jaguars, again, it's hard to judge yourself against what the Texans are right now, but their formula was fascinating, especially after the offseason that they had. Yep, They go get for net fourth overall. They draft Cam Robinson in the left, in the second round. He's now their left tackle. Yep. They want to be physical. They want to run the ball and they ran it independent of situation more often than any team in the league in week one. And that's after throwing it more often than any other team in the league except New Orleans last year. It's a massive departure. And I think teams understand that going in. Fernet ran against eight or more guys in the box on 57.69% of his carries in week one. It's highest rate in the league. Wasn't particularly close. Think we're going to see that a lot. Mercedes Lewis played 100% of the snaps against the, uh, against the Texans. You would never see that with a tight end. They're like not even trying to be deceptive. It's like, we're going to sit here and do this all game. And I think watching how often they do that effectively and not even, again, I don't think Fournette's going to, Fournette, I got yelled at about that on Twitter yesterday. I don't think Fournette's going to run for 4.5 yards a carry. I think it's going to be efficiency wise a tough sledding because of how many guys he has to deal with. But is it enough? Can it be 26 for 102 in order to give them something offensively? And I think doing watching that against the Titans front seven that didn't play very well against Oakland is something that I'm curious to
0: see. Other thing on the other side of the You could have sold me that Mercedes Lewis has been off the Jaguars for three years.
1: Oh, he does block now. That's what he does. He's the blocking tight end. And then they had another guy, Koyak, play 42% of the snaps. They are going to it's going to be heavy in in Jacksonville. They are not trying to fool you in any way. So on the other side of the ball, I think, is one of the more fascinating matchups of week two. Mm -hmm. Jacksonville's front seven dominated that game against Houston. But those corners are damn good. I mean, they really gave DeAndre Hopkins problems. So you have Boye and Jalen Ramsey going against a Titans receiving court that, in my opinion, week one looked awesome. I mean, Rashard Matthews made a couple really difficult catches. Corey Davis might be the truth, dude. That guy played. I mean, he had two really impressive plays, and that's only playing. He played sixty six percent of the snaps, which was eleven fewer than Matthews. I assume that'll flip eventually, or they're gonna go with three wide receivers more. And I think that's an interesting kind of cat and mouse game to watch in this one. Plus, Lesney played eight snaps for Houston or for Jacksonville last week against Houston. Colvin was on the field, their slot corner for ninety percent of the plays is Tennessee going to try to get Puzzlesny on the field more and go heavy? Are they going to try to get Davis on the field more and just concede that we're going to go against your corners? I think those two position groups, Jacksonville's corners against the Titans wide receivers, it's a good one. And it's one we thought might be good when you considered all the resources the Titans threw at their receiving core. But I think through week one, it looks how they want it to look. They struggled more because of their running game,
0: weirdly enough, than how well they threw the ball. Did what you saw on Sunday change your idea about the ceiling of the Jaguars with Blake Bortles, a quarterback? Yes. And I think that the ceiling is still very defined. What it's was the ceiling going high? into Sunday and what is it now? My ceiling going into Sunday was like seven wins. See, and now it's we, nine wins.
1: In, if if they had gone with their previous just style offensively, it would have been lower than seven wins Sure, to me if they put the ball in Bortles hands and said, we're going to let you sling it 35 times, then it's less, it's fewer than seven games. It's five to me, maybe, but now it drastically changes because you're not letting him lose the game. I still think it's hard to be more than a 500 team when your quarterback throws 20 times a game because he's terrible. <laughs> but I do think that they can beat in every single one because that defense might be one of the best two or three in the league. Uh, and if they play like that every week, again, it's tough with Houston, but, it's the signings, right? I mean, we, we saw this with, ja- with the Giants last year. It's tough to shell out money and get return on investment in the open market. Mm-hmm. But when you do, it makes all the difference. And through one week, that's the best pass rushing game Calais Campbell's ever had. And boy, it looked excellent. So if you can get the most from those guys after signing those huge deals and you add it to Dante Fowler playing well, Yannick Ngakwe having the two quickest sacks of the week and looking like he might be very much for real. I mean, there are just a lot of pieces over there. And if you can combine that with not throwing interceptions, then I think that your ceiling is still defined, but it's much higher than I thought it was. Dante Fowler surprised me a little bit. Me too. I mean, he was garbage. <laughs> last Yeah, season I, when I he was on the field. Off. So did I. So, and if he can just be the third best guy on that defensive line, damn.
0: I mean, that is a talented dude to be your number three option. Did you watch the video with me and Jason Concepcion or Concepcion tries to remember Blake Bortles' name? <laughs>
1: He was the perfect
0: guy to use in the first one. It's just he was the perfect I, I, one. If, if, anyone, saw it, if anyone saw it, if anyone saw it, there were like maybe five more attempts from Jason to get Blake Bortles' name right, and it it didn't happen for him. It got to be fair. What reason does Jake, Jason Concepcion have to know Blake Bortles' name? I think he had Bub Bubbles at one point.
1: Bubbles is fair. We should just call them Bubbles from now on. I think it was, I actually It might. was
0: inspired. It was phenomenal. <laughs> I really enjoyed Jason Concepcion talking football. We have it'll it'll be a really fun series. Um, and and we're looking forward to. It. You can watch it on my Twitter page. <laughs> All right, the video series is called Slow NFL News Day. It's very good content. Robert, as you know, like most guys, I hate shopping, but I guess there's now a really easy way to get clothes. It's called Bombfell.
1: Yeah, Bombfell is an online personal styling service that helps men find the right clothes for them. They actually sent me some stuff earlier this month. I got an amazing gray button down and like these blue Ben Sherman khakis that are just fantastic. And the cool thing is, the
0: best thing is, there are no actual fees to work with them. It costs nothing to sign up and get this input. That sounds pretty simple and straightforward. All you have to do is complete a questionnaire and a dedicated personal stylist will handpick pieces specifically for you, Robert.
1: It's perfect because they really do based on the options you can choose. I mean, it's the type of clothes you want. It's certain brands that you like. They're able to tailor it to a specific endpoint that fits you, that looks like you. And once you've viewed your selections, you'll have 48 hours to either make any changes you want or you can cancel it altogether. You're totally in control and you only
0: pay for the clothes that you can which makes sense because it wouldn't be that cool if you had to pay for ones that you didn't like. You have the option of receiving clothes once every one, two or three months. And
1: Bonfell keeps you looking good all the time. We've negotiated with them to get our listeners a special offer of $25 off your first purchase when you go to Bonfell.com slash NFL. That's Bonfell.com spelled B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash NFL bomb fell open and close like clothes that you wear get it yeah i get it there we go good job buddy
0: all right it's time to welcome in our in-house ringer gm michael lombardi welcome to the show mike hello kevin hi robert Hey, buddy. Good to see you.
1: Or not see you, but hear you. you I can't go. see you. Can, I can, can see him.
2: I'm a lucky man. <laughs> yeah, You've right. got to
0: keep your eye on a couple of interesting games this week, and we're calling them intra-squad scrimmages. Explain what you mean by that, Mike.
2: Well, I think when you look at the schedule, it's kind of an interesting schedule because when you take – there's four games that have kind of a cross-pollination of the team. So sure. Kansas City is playing Philadelphia in Kansas City. So that's really an intersquad squad game for Kansas City. They've played against the Eagles' offense – since they had training since they had OTA days. Yeah. And the Eagles have played against Kansas City's offense since they've had OTA days. So it's kind of the familiarity between the two teams is 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 really good. Washington travels to the Los Angeles Rams once again. The Sean McVay, yeah. Jay Gruden offense is the same. So Wade Phillips has practiced against this the whole time. Greg Minooski has practiced against this the whole time. So it's going to be interesting to see. And and for for me, it's always about what the way teams score quickly and effectively is they have adjustments to the adjustments. And when you know what the adjustment is, then you can figure it out. And these two teams have an advantage. And then you have these other minor battles. So you have Carolina and Buffalo. Buffalo going down there, where Sean McDermott's defense is in Buffalo, and Carolina's defense is Sean McDermott's defense. So there's familiarity there. And then we have the Bruce Arians, Chuck Pagano reunion in Indianapolis. So for me, those are the four games that kind of have a lot of intrigue in terms of everybody knowing what each other's going to do and how to play it. From a defensive standpoint is that how many how many points is that worth you
0: know when you know what the system's going to be i know it comes down to talent and all that but i mean is that is that a significant difference or is it just a little bit of a
2: difference i think it is a significant difference now the coaches know going in like let's just take an example last week baltimore played cincinnati mm-hmm. baltimore knew if they got into a certain formation at, in empty and they flexed the tight end that gunther's check to that the cincinnati defense coordinator paul gunther would be a total blitz so they did it And they caught him on a big pass and Macklin scored a touchdown. Those are the kind of things that happen when you know the other team's defense Mm -hmm. or offense really well. Now, what happens when you play these kind of games, they change a little bit. You know, Wade will know what the tendencies is for the offense. So Gruden's going to have to shift and change a little bit. But eventually it's going to come down to how well you play and how well effectively you can execute. But to me, those are the intriguing factors of the game.
1: Didn't you think that, I mean, I, I thought this a little bit, it might've just been specific choices based on matchup last week, but it felt like Philly and Kansas city both Went against their tendencies that they kind of established last year. I mean, they threw the ball deeper a little bit. I mean, how do you kind of break out of those things? I mean, what would you see from a guy like Andy Reid to
2: say, "Well, they might think I'm going to do this.
1: This is actually what I'm going to do." Well,
2: a couple of the big plays against the the Patriots. Patriots just blow the coverage. Well, yeah, that one, the Tyree kill. Hill I mean, yeah. at some point, you know, that's Tyree kill. You know, we got to cover him, and they didn't. And, and the big run, they were just in a in a in a front that they had a hard time. I, I think where Philly did a great job last week uh was last year Carson Wentz was horrible on third down I mean his quarterback mm-hmm. rating on third down was disastrous he couldn't make plays and his quarterback and he played on third down against the Redskins really well I mean mm-hmm. he made a ton of plays and I think that, that that was how you have to look at the game and and how to adjust the game and Kansas City now sees what Wentz wants to do on third down and how he applies their offense they have to make their adjustments to what he does hard thing about playing Wentz is it's hard to tackle this guy yeah. I mean this guy's Big Ben really I mean he's become a hard guy to tackle and he makes loose plays to me I, I want to keep him in the pocket, make him beat me from the pocket on third down, make him have to throw the ball, not let him run around and get guys open. Are you worried at all about Washington's offense? After what I'm showed worried last week? about Washington as a complete team. I mean, there's an instinct that I would say, you know, I, I would think that they should come out here and really beat the Rams. The Rams are a nice story, but the Rams aren't a good team. Yeah. I mean, let's be real honest. I mean, Goff looked like he was great, but Goff was never under any pressure. And if you put pressure on Goff, everybody in the league knows he's got to speed up his game. Can he do that? That remains to be seen. But Washington, to me, and and Kevin and I talked about this a little bit, they were a team this summer that was more interested in getting their team healthy to the first game than they were prepared for the first game. And I think that's what really affected them, and they haven't looked very good. I mean, last week they averaged – last week they couldn't move the ball effectively. They had plays on the tape to make against the the Eagles, and whether it was prior drop of the ball, whether it was Cousins not throwing it accurately, it wasn't very good. Do you think that
0: Cousins' value – I mean, how, how tied in uh, is, is, is this season for his contract? If he has a mediocre season,
2: what's his market after this year? I think it's still going to be good. I mean, yeah. look, we watched Andy Dalton last yeah. night. I mean, how bad can you play? Now, I, I I I was hard on Andy Dalton, but I think that Cincinnati offense is really bad. I, I think Cincinnati has to wonder about, you know, does they're doing the right? They just run a bunch of plays. So to answer <laughs> your question, Kevin, I, I, I think that as long as Kyle Shanahan's out there looking for a quarterback, yeah. I think Kirk Cousins' market's fairly safe. Plus, look, he's made enough money. What does he care? He needs to go to the right place if they don't sign him. And what's the alternative for Washington? Right. Where are they going? They don't have any leverage either. I think they were trying to hype up Nate Sudfeld a month ago. He's not even <laughs> on the team anymore. I, I know. And you know, and, and they know Colt McCoy can't be a starter. I mean, we're, we're, I mean, they talk about a team with really bad planning. I mean, this is an interesting conversation. Uh, The Redskins, everything they do, when Belichick and I were in Cleveland, we used to have this motto, there were two teams that we always, if they agreed with us on a player, we should reevaluate the player because we figured we must be wrong. And if the Redskins, if you agree with anything they're doing, you better reevaluate it because... Typically, they ain't making very good decisions. Who are the two teams? I can't tell you. Oh, <laughs>
0: come on. I can't tell it you. It was 20 years ago. <laughs> I know,
2: but I can't oh, tell you. That's disappointing. I was so excited. I'll save it for a while. But truly, we had a rule. If team A or B likes this player and we're after this player, we're never going. We we need a retreat. I think the Cousins-Dalton thing
1: is an interesting comparison. It's one I've made before, and I feel like the Shanahan thing is an interesting wrinkle to throw into that. Dalton looks really good when the infrastructure of that offense was conducive to him looking really good. Cousins was the same way. So now you lose that with Dalton because he gone. Their offensive line terrible. But with Cousins, even if it takes a step back this year, if he goes and plays with Shanahan again, who will inevitably put him in advantageous situations, yep. then it flips back the other way. So it's just kind of those things where
2: it's about finding a quarterback you know you can succeed with based on the infrastructure you can give him. Right. I, I I completely agree. To me, watching the Bengal game, they just run plays. They don't have a real system of offense. He's taken, I mean, Ken Sambezi's taken a little bit of what Hugh did, a little bit with this guy. And it's just a series of plays instead of really systematically attacking the defense. I mean, you got the best receiver in football on the outside. And you can't find a way to get him the ball. Yep. You got he's running back. He's pissed now. It, it was interesting <laughs> to me. T- yeah, they said that AJ Green was as angry as he's ever been. He's last not night. that guy. I, I, I mean, I agree with him. I mean, I, you know this Joe Mixon guy. I wasn't supportive of him getting drafted, and you know because of the off the field incidents. Sure. However, that being said, this is a really talented player, yeah. and they got Bernard. I mean, this is a really good offense, and I know where you're saying, Robert, about the offensive line. But you can you can look that offensive line in Atlanta wasn't great last year either, yeah. and they kind of manufactured yeah. points for it. It's interesting. There are ways you can overcome it, but Right, it's it yeah. harder. The, yeah.
0: the, the Bengals were the best team in the NFL last year running run-pass options. And that that that's a trend that, that is still growing and, and the Chiefs running to perfection. But if you have that horseshit
2: offensive line, there's nothing you can do. There's yeah. nothing you can do. You never get control of the game. That's the real problem. And Dalton, when he gets down the red area, they, it looks like they have no design on what they want to try to accomplish. They just run the same plays. I mean, he got picked off by Mosley last week. In the same coverage, he got picked off by Mosley the year before. Yeah. And he still doesn't know. Like I sometimes I wonder, does this guy they last night didn't it look like two rookies were playing? Yep. Yep. And he's the first guy, Dalton's first
0: guy in six years to have zero touchdowns and more than four interceptions in his first two games. It's amazing.
1: Even the Tyler Eifert thing, that was their best red zone weapon for years. He's just a very good, he's a very good understanding of spacing within that area of the field where at least he was in a well-designed offense. His incompletion on the sideline was a perfect example of how they don't know what they're doing down there. <laughs> Why would you take a guy who's so good at manipulating open space if you put him in the slot and put him literally against the sideline when he can't do anything with it. It's just a bad use of resource. The
0: the Bengals have scored nine points in the first two games, according to the NFL. That's the fewest since the 1-15 Rams team eight years ago. Let's go.
2: (laughs) And you know, it's funny. I look at that Alex Erickson guy. He's not even like they drafted Tyler Boyd in the second round from Pittsburgh. They put Erickson on the field last night. If Erickson was in in New England, he would be the next Wes Walker. Yeah. He would be the next Danny Amendola. You could just see it last night. And they don't even find a way to get him the ball. Was Boyd a healthy scratch last night? Uh, healthy. No, they, they,
0: Marvin Lewis kind of said there was maybe a hamstring, but I mean. That would be yeah. Yeah. He said that was it was true. a late developing hamstring, which sounds like a healthy yeah. scratch to me. Yeah, well, that's oof. what I kind of
2: thought. But yeah. anyway, that's, that being said, I mean, look, they have too many weapons to not score to not score touchdowns. I mean, I'm not saying they should be the St. Louis Rams but of the 2000 era, but I mean, look they should score some points. I mean, they have enough weapons to score points.
1: I mean, we've seen that a couple of times in the last week, though teams that threw the resources at weapons in the offseason hoping that could overcome either quarterback deficiency or deficiencies up front and with the Giants and the Bengals it's fallen flat so far.
2: Well, I think the Giants, I think the conversation that nobody wants to have is how good is Eli? I mean, I think we that's the, that earlier. We, we had it earlier today. <laughs> I think that's the conversation nobody, you know, you guys talk about it. It's it's right there, it's the elephant in the room. Nobody wants to address it in the New York media. Everybody just thinks that the savior is o- 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 okay. coming back and but, you know, Odell was on the field last year when they averaged 19 points a game. Right. I mean, when are we going to really take on the conversation that Eli gets rid of the ball way too soon and he doesn't want to get hit? Odell saved Eli. I mean, it, it would have gotten real ugly.
0: I mean, at 19 points a game with Odell on the field, could you freaking—we're going to see it. We're about to see what happens right. without Odell.
2: Right. And they blame—and and look, Eric Flowers deserves a lot of the blame, and so does the right tackle, Bobby Hart. I mean, there's a lot of blame to go around, But and so does Ben McAdoo. But, I mean, the reality here is Eli's got to make some throws up the field.
1: I mean, that, that part of it. And then they bring in, I mean, their run blocking was problematic last year. We know the line isn't good. And they use their first round pick on a.
2: Tight end, that can't block anybody. Uh, he's not a tight end. That's the thing. He's a wide receiver. I yeah. mean, when he's in the game, everybody knows he's he's either going to get the ball, but he's not blocking anybody. I mean, if he's in the game and he's the only legit tight end, then they're in 10 personnel, they're not in 11. I mean, that's that was what I said when they drafted yeah. him. I mean, he's a mismatched player, but you got to have a tight end. It, it's got to be a completely set up offense. Those guys are hard to find. Those guys are hard to re- incorporate into your game plan each week. I think you, referred to, him as, Ellison. I think you referred to him as a play
0: indicator. And right you just know exactly what play they're going to run once you see where he lines up
2: exactly and that's what happens to like like I like Tariq Cohen of your Bears Robert because he's in the game he he looks like he can pass protect so you can run your offense through him when you can't run an offense through the back or the tight end then the back then the, like the Saints last week Peterson's in the game. He's getting the ball. Okay, Kamara's in the game. It's probably screen, draw something. Ingram's in the game. They can run their whole offense. And that's what really the defense is looking at, indicators. And when players can give you that indicator, then you get an advantage. My, my minor fact, Adrian Peterson is never in the game. <laughs> Nine <laughs> plays. Yeah. And he's already complaining. Yeah. <laughs> we, we I mean, they're the only that team that wanted to sign him, and now he's turning on them. And he's uh, turning on them. We, we talked about this
1: last year, Mike, but it's about being able to play with those indicators, right? When you have LeGarrette Blunt in the game and you just play action Pass teams to death because right. they assume
2: you're just going to run the ball. Right. I mean, and that's, you know, and look, Ingram's a good, pl- I don't not disputing Ingram's talent. I'm saying is to me, he's a mismatch receiver. He's like signing, having Anquan Bolden. You know, the other thing I thought last night, I would like to hear your guys' commentary on that. I mean, Hopkins is a really good receiver. Is he $16 million a year? Like he looks like if Robert, he doesn't push off, he can't get open. Robert, I think that that's he's your boy. gonna have a,
1: I love DeAndre Hopkins, but I think that he's going to have a problem with a, uh, quarterback who can't put the ball in open space if he has, if he needs if he's playing with a quarterback that has to throw to an open person mm-hmm. we're going to have an issue because he's not open very often he's just good at body control and the type of quarterback you need
2: to make that guy useful is hard to find i think this my opinion 16 million for a guy that's not open all the time is a little bit of an overpayment yeah i can understand that i, I mean to me when i watched him if i'm a receiver if i'm Beckham and you gave Hopkins 16 million i'm worth 25. Because I'm going to get open. Green might be worth that, actually. A.J. <laughs> Green's going to get open. I mean, just Hopkins is a nice, to me, he's a nice receiver that that's never has, unless he pushes off, when is he open? Well, the good yeah. news is he's, with the NFL referees, he can push off whenever he wants. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah. he gets away with it.
0: All the time. Mike, thank you? you so much for joining us. Appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Coming up, we have Danny Kelly joining us to nerd out in a couple of games you might not be excited for, but he is. And you will be once you hear this.
1: We're also going to talk about some storylines that will be huge next week after all the week one action shakes out. But before that, let's hear from a couple sponsors. DirecTV has been killing it for over 20 years as the
0: exclusive home to NFL Sunday Ticket. It's the only way to get every live game every Sunday. And now you can have it without a satellite dish. It's some next-level stuff. If you have an apartment or you're an enrolled college student, you're still getting Sunday Ticket. To see if you're eligible,
1: go online to nflsundayticket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday Ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout to
0: save 15%. Again, that's nflsundayticket.tv, promo code RINGER. We also want to remind you that if it's NFL football and it happened, NFL Game Pass has got it. Every throw, every catch, every two-minute drill, every fourth and inches. I can replay the game from every angle with NFL Game Pass. I can't
1: really describe how vital this is to my life. Yep. I mean, I, we use it every day. I mean, I'm just digging into the games. We, if we want to relive Adrian Peterson's nine snaps... Well, it's so nice because with the condensed version, you can just blow through games the day after if you want to just get a sense of what it was like, just kind of the rhythms of it when you can't watch everything all at once on Sunday. And then later in the week when they throw up the coaches' tape, if you really want to dig in to why teams succeeded and why they failed, this is the only way to do it.
0: Whatever your favorite game is. NFL game passes got it. I mean, there were so many things we had to parse through, Robert. Are the Seahawks that good with that offensive line? You can just watch every snap and figure it out. You can see Russell Wilson under just insane amounts of pressure that he should never be under. Again, they should have
1: these games in 45 minutes, but with offenses that bad, I think they might not get to 45. You're gonna be able to do it in a little bit less. Which, yeah, well, I mean, not if a you
0: want to watch a, I think you're gonna want to watch a very, very short version of the Bengals Texans. Anyway, they've got it. Full game replays, condensed action pack games that are 45 minutes long or shorter you, you can do whatever you need to do best of all you can kick off the 2017
1: nfl season with a free nfl game pass trial sign up now at nfl.com slash the ringer that's nfl.com slash the ringer
0: now let's welcome in our good friend the own danny kelly danny we're geeking out with you buddy how you been
3: well, i've been great you guys how are you guys doing
0: I mean, I'm fine. I'm I'm not feeling super great. I feel like I'm hungover from watching that game last night. Other than that, I feel awesome. Danny, Kevin O'Connor sent me a LinkedIn invitation just like you today. It's, it is 100% it's clear he man. doesn't listen to this show because otherwise he wouldn't have when he heard me roast you for sending me a LinkedIn invitation. <laughs>
3: You must have the same LinkedIn habits as I do. Once Which a year. Is what? Every time. What is a LinkedIn habit? Sign in once a year and then right. like find your friends and update your you know work status. Okay. I guess. All right, that All is right. a
1: weird interest of yours I have no interest in, but how about a weird football
0: interest of yours that from this All week? All right. what so you Dave, you Dan is gonna fill us in on some things that only he sees heading into week two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like LinkedIn. Maze, Maze like LinkedIn. Us back on he's track. A, I he's really scouring that. LinkedIn, he's making connections, reading weird business leadership posts from people he's never met. You're your first pick is going to be played in a soccer stadium, Danny. Hit us.
3: <laughs> yeah, so I want to talk about this uh, Chargers defensive line because mm. that was a really fun, I mean, that was the fun part about Monday Night Football, I guess. Maybe maybe the only part that was fun. Um, we, that Bosa, game was incredibly fun. Well, the, the fourth quarter was really fun. I'll say that. It, for for people who stayed up and watched it anyway. Because it was, I mean, it was a slog for the first couple quarters I feel like and kind of on the same level as a lot of these games have been so yeah I I, looking at Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram on that defensive line these guys have a potential to be maybe one of the top pass rushing sort of duos in the NFL this this year and going going against Miami this week is going to be an interesting one because there's a lot of question marks on that Miami offensive line right now kind of some change happening there can also play left
0: tackle? I mean,
1: there's a
3: lot just, of questions that's everywhere. Deal. That's what happens Absolutely. when Jay Cutler's your quarterback. Don't I know it? And so, I mean, you're looking at Jay Cutler behind that line who has struggled with pressure in the past and um has been prone to meltdowns, maze, you know a little bit about that. So just a tad. So that match Does he know right about is... it
0: because he's watched Jay Cutler or because he himself melts down?
3: <laughs> it's a combination of the two. I know together. what it's like to struggle under pressure. <laughs> um so I I like that that matchup a lot and I think you know Maze you mentioned it on Twitter I think during the game it was like they were lining up Bosa next to Ingram and they were kind of flip flopping them Bosa basically lined up everywhere he was like three tech five tech you know rushing from outside real you know it was just really exciting how they were using them and you know so they're they're in that that 4-3 defense now so it's a little bit different but it it was really fun to watch them kind of play off of each other do some you know, pass rush games together and all that. So that's what I'm going to be watching in that game. It's a fun one.
1: I I was a little disappointed in how the Chargers looked just in terms of the end result. But I do think that with a little time, as they settle into those schemes, the talent is there. I mean, I certainly haven't walked away from how good I thought they would be. And that was my favorite part of the entire roster. I think those two, you said one of them, Danny. I think by season's end, they absolutely could be the best one. Just pure edge, you know, not the front four. We have Seattle, we have Philly, everything else. But just two guys coming off the edge together they in my mind by the end of the
3: season could be right at the top of the list. Dan, I think we're still underrating Bosa. Bosa I uh, think this so is too. A, this is an this is a stat that uh, Pro Football Focus's Nathan Yankee, has been kind of updating as we go along. But he's got sixty three pressures in his first thirteen NFL games, and that's the most for any defender over their first thirteen games over the last twelve years, which is how long they've been tracking the stat. So I pick him to I win mean, the best
1: player of the year. So I mean I, I
3: think he's gonna be a monster. There you go. But I mean, also, Ingram was better than I feel like I remember. He had four quarterback hits, one and a half sacks. He was just kind of everywhere. His spin move showed up. I mean, he looked, he looked really, really good. So, yeah, those, both of those people guys. People gawked
1: at that or people balked at that deal. I, I didn't. I think that yeah. sacks do not tell a story with that guy. He is impacting game constantly and he deserved the contract that he got, even if he, his production necessarily hasn't lined up with it in the normal stat sheet.
3: I mean, he doesn't need long arms if he's sacking a guy with his ass. With yeah, that's right. That's exactly
0: right. That's a good. That's a good thing to move on from.
3: Um, How do you like Dana, that,
0: Danny? Your second game includes one really bad team and one maybe maybe good team that I picked to win the Super Bowl.
3: Yeah. So. I'm a little convinced, well, this is kind of goes beyond the Seahawks, but I'm con- I'm convinced the Seahawks kryptonite is in good interior defenders in terms of their like offensive line. It just destroys everything they're trying to do on offense, I feel like. And last week we saw it with Mike Daniels. This week, we're going to see what the 49ers can do. Obviously, you know, they're, they're a defense that's going through a transition and, you know, they're changing schemes and a lot of guys are moving around, but. I saw this stat from PFF too, which was DeForest Buckner had the best um, pass rush productivity of any interior defender last year or last week, mm-hmm. even better than Mike Daniels. And that was that makes me worried about the Seahawks offense again. Um, I know it's a, it's a better matchup for them in terms of they're at home and they're playing a team that didn't look very good in week one. But I just worry that that, that interior pressure is just going to ruin what they want to do again. And, you know, so I was going to ask you guys what you thought about A lot of people here in Seattle are talking about how the Seahawks need to go up tempo, no huddle, kind of try and get Wilson into a rhythm um, that goes kind of against their philosophy. But in the last couple of years, they've been really, really good when they go to like a two minute offense where Wilson can just kind of get into it, hurry things up, spread the field out and sort of look to his different weapons and, and run a little bit. So. I wanted to get your guys' take on, you know, whether you think that's a, a doable thing or if they should just kind of stick to what they've done the last couple of years in terms mm-hmm. of slow things down and go heavy. I hadn't well, thought about that.
1: Robert, what do you think? That was the best version of Wilson that we've yeah. seen, Danny. I mean, was that over right. that eight game stretch when they really opened it up? And in I why you touched yeah. on this. Yeah. And you touched on this in what you wrote this week and the tweet from Brian Baldinger, who, by the way, you should fire. If you like football, you should follow Brian Baldinger on Twitter. Absolutely. What's
0: Baldy got on Twitter? His
1: Twitter is awesome.
0: No, no. What, just, what's it, what is What is the specific tweet you're talking about? He,
1: so he's talking about just when they go heavy and max protect as a way to combat the offensive line problems and how that just begets more issues offensively, because even if Wilson has time, there's really nowhere to go with the ball downfield because it's yeah. not as if they're bl- they're bringing more guys. They're still dropping eight, and you have two guys in routes. You're not going to be successful with those two guys unless they're both Antonio Brown. Right. So that's the Seattle's problem is that they react to one problem by creating another one for themselves, and that's how you get stagnant and terrible on offense.
0: Baldy retweeting a lot of compliments.
1: That, that, that's fine with me. When he I'm, does yeah. film stuff, I'm interested in it. I don't know if you agree, <laughs> Danny.
0: I like his Twitter.
3: Oh, absolutely. And, and that, that tweet that he, he did break down the, the problems with Max Protect. And that's actually, I just followed him because I had been missing out on all that. But he has a lot of other really good stuff, too, where he kind of looks at the tape and talks about it. And I don't, I don't even mind people who reach weak compliments at this point.
1: It's all, it's
2: all balanced. It's just, if it's, you it's, it's the stuff I want. A, I'm okay I'm
0: fine with, with it. Just, I, guys, I got to be honest with you. I'm going to the page. Kind of have a heavy volume of this. It's a heavy volume.
1: That's I never notice it because I never notice when people retweet things. I just, I don't look at who retweeted it. So it's okay with me.
3: <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so that's that's kind of what's going James on in Seattle right now. Franklin
0: retweeted a plagiarized version of an article I wrote yesterday. Good. That sounds great. <laughs> it was it, it was great. It was very good. The internet's a very good place. Anyway. All right, Danny. Uh,
1: I mean, I I don't know what to tell you, buddy. I, I think it's going to be problematic <laughs> again. The one thing I'll say about DeForest Buckner is this was one of those questions we had about the 49ers, right? They had all mm-hmm. those first round defensive linemen. The guy that bumped inside, is he going to be able to transition to that? And for the Niners this year, it's all about incremental enjoyment. Like, is this thing better than we <laughs> thought it was going to be? Right. And right. Buckner looking like that is a nice start.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And And I think that they still have, you know, issues in their secondary and um, when they, when they lost, uh, Reuben Foster, I think that was a big deal for him because for them, because he was looking amazing for the first little bit that he was playing. So, good. so yeah, I mean it, I, I don't think the Seahawks are going to lose. I'll, I'll say that, but no. I think, I think it's just going to, these a, interior defenders point, are such a
0: problem. It's, it's a 14 point spread, Danny Kelly. What do you see?
3: <laughs> is it really? Yeah. Oh, I'm going, I'm going, I don't think they'll cover that. Ooh. I think it's going to be, I think it'll be a closer game. I mean, every Seahawks game mm. is close. It, like they're so rare that they actually blow anyone Plus out. Plus, the it
0: Seahawks like, do this September thing where they just go two and two.
3: They slow play it all every year.
0: Yeah. Why are they so good at peaking in December, Danny? I've been intrigued by this because the Patriots are going to do the same thing. What's their What's their deal?
3: I thought, I I don't know. I mean, I've honestly wondered about that specifically for a couple of years now because Pete Carroll talks about how even in you know at USC for whatever how many ten years he was there, they had like a very specific plan in order to peak. In like November and yeah. December. Well, it's, hard, like they, it's
0: harder in college football because you can't lose in September
3: right so you can't go forward know know how four they do and it. And they, then, I think they I think they do have a specific plan though that like helps them do that, whether that means like they they save some of their schemes for later in the year or what like but it's it it really bugs a lot of people here because they start slow, but by the end of the year, you kind of forget about, about all of that,
0: yeah, I mean everybody forgets the same thing with the Patriots, Danny, thanks for joining us. Alright, thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Danny. Okay, the last thing we're going to do on this Friday show heading into week two is let you know what we'll be talking about with next week's biggest headlines after all the action shakes out. Robert, on Monday, what are we going to be talking about? This one's
1: simple to me. I think with Atlanta not looking great against the Bears last week with them Very possibly losing on Sunday. I mean, I think I would pick Green Bay. I just think we're going to get a lot of Super Bowl hangover talk. They're going to be a lot of 23 or 28 to three shots in the broadcast or just in the TV coverage over the next week. When in reality, we probably should have expected this. They were about the team I thought they would be on Sunday. They absolutely could be that team and lose to Green Bay. None of this is surprising. I don't think it has anything to do with 28 to three or Super Bowl hangovers. I just think it has something to do with how good – and how well-positioned that
0: team was a year ago. Patriots overreaction is coming on Monday, speaking of the Super Bowl. No matter what happens on Sunday, if Drew Brees scores 45 points in that defense, it's going to be the end of the Patriots dynasty. If they win 24-10, to 10, it's going to be the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. The one thing I want to preach is, do not overreact to the Patriots this early in the season. As we just talked about with Danny they're they're designed to peak in January and February. Don't worry about it. Belichick is working things out. Belichick once said something very revealing, which is he basically don't have your roster set until October. You're churning through it. He had that line a couple days ago when they were talking about guys making the team, and he was saying, you know, they were they were saying how do you congratulate guys, and he was saying, you know, you you can't really congratulate guys because the roster churn in September is is so significant. He's he sees it as a work in progress until about midseason. So please. Whatever you see on Sunday, enjoy the game because it's going to be just beautiful football, but don't don't read too much into it.
1: As a man who once buried the Patriots after that Chiefs game,
0: I can wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, yeah, I mean, just don't do it. Nope. Don't do right it, move. kids. Never write the move. That's it for today. We'll be back on Tuesday with our Patriots overreactions, I'm sure, uh, from <laughs> all the weekend action from week two. As always, thanks for listening to the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Appreciate it, guys. Every throw, every catch, every fourth and inches, whatever your favorite game is, NFL Game Pass has got it. Get game replays, condensed games, the All-22, coaches film, and more. If it's NFL football and it happened, NFL Game Pass has got it. So to kick off the 2017 NFL season with a free NFL Game Pass trial, sign up now at NFL.com
2: slash TheRinger.